I'm Gab. He's Jules. Cold and bitter in West London outside. Yes. Um, cold and bitter in the Ten Hag household too. We'll be talking about that. We've got lots of stuff coming on, Jules, because it's of course it's Champions League. Yeah. So many comebacks. A um, couple big upsets, but <clears throat> I think there's one obvious, evident place to start. Manchester United, in terms of psychodrama and kind of making a big deal out of it. And look, I don't want to talk about United as often as we do, not because I have anything against them, but because I like some variety. Yeah. But the reality is, we were talking about this before, you either are United or you talk about Paris Saint-Germain. These are the two problem kids Definitely. of this Champions League class. Absolutely. So let's talk United because this is pretty gr- uh, dramatic. So they draw 3-3 with Galatasaray. Just a recap of where they are, where this leaves them. Uh, in light of the other result as well between Copenhagen and, uh, and and Bayern, basically for United to advance, this is your big takeaway. They need to beat Bayern Munich, an already qualified Bayern yeah. Munich at home, and they have to hope that the Copenhagen Galatasaray game ends in a draw. Yeah, only a any, draw we do for them. Any other combination of results um, means that United are out of the round of 16. Right. Yeah. That out of the way. I was concerned at the beginning of this game. I thought, oh, look, Galatasaray, I thought they can win this. They can knock them out now. Yeah. And then they go 3-1 up, and you think, easy peasy, right? Really positive start. The Garnacho goal is a good team goal. It's a really good finish from him. Much better than the celebration that we will talk after. Then Bruno, on his own, really out of nothing, scored this wonderful goal to make it 2 nil. And then you think, okay, this is a team that has not controlled anything this season so far. In, in no games, or very rarely, let's say, They've looked in control. They've looked like they could manage a lead, manage a score, manage the results. But now they look good. They look decent. Like they look good against Copenhagen for the first 20 minutes before the red card for Marcus Rashford. In this game then, there was no red card. And even at, when they were 2-1 up after the ZH first free kick, you thought, OK, they might be a bit tense, but they've got this. Then they scored the third goal, 3-1, with 30 minutes to go. You think, okay, this is it now. Just manage the game. Don't do anything stupid. Just Play on manage the counter. The game. You have enough pace to do that. Exactly. Just right. manage the game. And what did they do? They exploded again. It, it wasn't just the... I mean, Ten Hag spoke about the defensive mistakes at the end um, and the chances they gave up. And look, let's be very clear here. My issue isn't so much that United gave up, obviously, the two goals and mm-hmm. made those uh, defensive mistakes, you know, failing to clear the line, stuff like that. The the Cardi one where he was called offside was by the... Tiny, uh, tiny I was so offside. close. You can't tell me that, you know, Lindelof is like, aha, look at me. Like, yeah, this is part of the plan. Definitely not. It was the absolute chaos when the game became ragged because United had United could have scored two or three more goals, right? United could have scored six goals in this, in this game. But the thing is, so could Galatasaray. Yeah. And that is exactly not the game that you want to play away from home with a two-point lead. And, and for me, this is the biggest reason for Ten Hag to be disappointed after the game, is this inability. I mean, Galatasaray made you play their game at the end. Yeah. And it was very open, and you see they had chances. They could have scored another goal. But so, so could have Galatasaray. That's what I just said. Yeah. But, but my issue with Ten Hag him coming up with all the, all those positive, look how great we played. He has to take responsibility as well. You go 3-1 up. The first thing he does after that third goal, he brings up Kobe Mainu on, who is this kid from the academy who has great potential. We saw him against Everton, being very composed, very good. But you can't manage a game already and a lead in normal circumstances. Why would you throw in now an 18-year-old in place of Amrabat, at least play them both together. Keep a Maktomine, Amrabat, Menu midfield if you want. But don't give me that stupid change of Menu for Amrabat. And then he was completely overwhelmed, overround. And then United lost, I mean, the control that they never really had. But I just that substitution from Ten Hag made no sense whatsoever. So the good thing about this, you can make the point, is you have an obvious scapegoat, certainly on social media. Uh, Andre Onana... Was he 100% responsible for uh, the was second goal? The, 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 second one, the first goal? one already a little bit, but yeah. The first one possibly... Uh, well, no, the, what... Sorry, I'm blanking. The first out. one is the when the ball goes oh, yeah, the, yeah, 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 next yeah, to the wall where the two Galatasaray players Although, are. Although, 
equally, how does the ball get through the... I, I assumed it was deflected at first and he only sees it at the last minute. No, no, no. So the but two Galatasaray players were next to the United wall. So it doesn't go through the wall. It goes where the, the, where the Galatasaray, the Galatasaray players right. were and then they move out of the way. Right. But that's the side where, where Onana has to... So you put a wall for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Because you, the you're on the other side. Near side and yeah, yeah. No, of he course, gets of still course. beaten. Of course. So the, question, the second one is the big... Is he's the evidence scapegoat the in this whole thing. He also made a huge save at the beginning of the match when it was uh, nil-nil or 1-0, or actually, I think. Yeah. Inevitably, you're talking about goalkeepers. Most people are not goalkeepers. Most people didn't even play goalkeepers uh, as kids. Goalkeepers in general, and you know, we work with Shaka Hislop, who's yeah. very erudite about it. They can give some insight into goalkeeper mentality. One thing I realized is that a lot of goalkeepers are very, very different among themselves. When I look at a mistake like this from Onana, especially, especially the one on the um, on the first free kick, uh, on, on the first goal where, you know, he dives like the technique seems to be completely wrong. It's you not mean clear. the volleyball one. Yeah, that's the second one. Yeah, the second, second one. one sorry, yeah. I mean I don't. Again, not a goalkeeper. Does he see it late? Maybe I don't know. Again, don't but know. even if you see it late, like if you're. I, if you're trying, I, I thought maybe it bounced and skidded, but it didn't. No, it like it literally bounces off him. You're not going to save it with one hand. There's no reason for you, for you to do that. Um, so this is obviously a mental error. Yeah, I think he's lost a lot of confidence compared to last season, where it's 100% the Inter defense of last season was a much stronger defense than what we see now with the Maguire, with Evans, with Lindelof, those players. Uh, so I understand that it's, it's certainly. It's a no-brainer that it's probably easier to defend, to be a goalkeeper behind a very strong defence than against the leaky one. I get that, of course. But there's still clearly an issue. And also, Gabi, every time it looks like he's turned a corner and we all think, OK, it's going to be better now. So the Copenhagen penalty save, for example. After that, we thought, OK, maybe now things are going to change. It's going to be that confidence, the boost, etc. In the league, they haven't considered for the last three games. I think he's got the more clean sheets as a goalkeeper in the Premier League or something oh, like that. Mark Ogden were here. Mark Ogden, of course, as you know, is not David De Gea's biggest fan. No. He would say, all those years that David De Gea stands there at the... I have these pictures sheeted in my mind of him, goofy, getting his stupid Golden Gloves uh, yeah. award, right? He would say, the number of clean sheets is the most meaningless stat in football. Yes, but not really. But, but where I feel the most, and maybe that's also part of the reason why on his line he's not very assured anymore, Onana, is the sense that what also probably would give him a lot of confidence is being good with the ball at his feet and be part of the build the play from a United point of view, right. play out from the back, you know, have that kind of responsibilities, which I think he likes. And I think we all agree that he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world in terms of distribution. And yet, every time he's on the ball, all clearly is asked of him is to hoof the ball forward. As opposed to passing the ball to Harry Maguire, be, well, who's being no. pressed by an opponent. It yeah, doesn't no. matter, there's no or structure. There is no structure to beat the press of an opposition team. So you've got Onana, one of the best goalkeepers to do that, and yet you put nothing in place to actually I, use his strength in distribution. See, I wouldn't fault Den Haag for that side really? of Really? Why? So much. For the reasons I said, is that you have Harry Maguire, who I think, you know, back in the day is actually reasonable on the ball, but right now you assume there's got, there's got to be some fragility but there. But Achebe is a better ball-playing centre-back than him? No. No, but is Damian better than Lindelof? No, so why? No, Damian, Damian is a lot better on the ball than Lindelof. Oh, no, a lot better. But He's you, substantially so, better. Onana did it with Acerbi and Damian. Why? You can't do it with Varane and Maguire? He had three of them. He had Bastoni too. Yeah, okay, no. So Bastoni is probably the best of all of them, yeah. technically. But don't tell me that it's not just the players you have around you. I if think you it's put a lot the right to... structure. No, no, of course. They but can the, all but, play football. Okay, fine. But the guy, okay, again, I, I don't want to sound like a Tanag apologist here, right? <laughs> But I appreciate with the structure and whatever else, but I go back to the same thing. These are things that you have to work on. So yeah. presumably he worked on preseason on a defense that had Lisandro uh, in there, yeah. who's not there, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden there's all these other adjustments. And he can't adjust and work on it on the fly because United are in all these different competitions and, and maybe he's not as efficient, maybe the players aren't as smart, maybe guys get injured. I, I, I think that's I think it's the least of it. What I find interesting about Onana is I don't think his mistakes are technical mistakes. So when people talk about Onana not being good enough, right? When we, when we talk about that, we talk about a goalkeeper's positioning. Yeah. We talk about, you know, Courtois with the long arms and the reflexes. That is the technical side of it, if you will. Yeah. I don't see Onana making 
technical mistakes because obviously he looks goofy with that save there, but yeah, that's yeah. not a technical error. That's just because that's beyond the pale, right? Um, I see mental mistakes, and this is where I become really uncomfortable. And I really don't. But where's that say. coming from then? Because I hate playing pop psychology with the goalkeeper's mentality. All I can say is this is a big ask on United's goalkeeping coach, on Onana himself, the people around him, to go and figure this out. Because, like, Onana probably wasn't as good, isn't as good a goalkeeper as Courtois or Allison, whoever you think the best in the world are, right? Yeah. And maybe overachieved and played out of his skin in the Champions League late last year and, uh, and on Inter's run. Um, but he's also not technically bad and these mistakes are not technical mistakes maybe it is a confidence thing I, I just find it very unsatisfying because i feel like you can just chuck out the word confidence in psychology and it's like a catch-all no, explanation for everything yeah, and i genuinely know, don't know i'm holding you my know, hands up you know a lot of players well enough to know that whatever your position that confidence factor is is one you know and maybe that second goal with the zh1 on a, on a, in a season where he felt strong and confident like, like, like last season with Inter, maybe he would have gone down quicker, I don't know, and, and get there with the two hands instead of trying to play beach volley or something like that. I don't know why he was trying to do I, I, I just don't know. I, I wonder, you know, the, the Icardi one, like we saw against Forrest Old Trafford when Awoni sits him down, Icardi yeah. sits him down again. Yeah. You know, that dummy, he's down. He's down so quickly. And, and by the way, Icardi, you know, he's got a lot of skills, but that's not even... Yeah, it's, it's not Ronaldo, it's not, it's not Ronaldo the Brazilian either, you know, like... Exactly. So, I don't, I don't know. I don't um, know. More broadly, with this defense, um, I don't think it's lost on anybody. I mean, Ten Hag highlighted it as, as an issue. Now, we could all see it. We, we saw that they weren't good at clearing the ball. There was one of the goals came after they did clear the ball, and then they lost it straight away. It's obviously not just about the back four, but I did think... With Luke Shaw back, yeah. he plays Juan Bissaka, who defensively should be better than than Dalot. Although, personally, I think I, I'd say I think Dalot should be. You should find space for Dalot in your starting lineup. Um, but I looked at this and I said, okay, well, this isn't that bad. I was expecting them to defend better. Instead, mm -hmm. they gave up half a dozen chances. Yeah, and then I look at it, and there's that Rafael Varane fellow who's not starting. Yeah, now. Varane, some people may think, oh, he must be 35 years old and on the Bonucci plan. But no, actually, Varane is that rare center back who starts for a top, top team at a very, very young age. He was like 21 when he just started at Real Madrid. The man turned 30 this year. He's not that old. No. And, you, and he's fit. He's physically fit. Yeah. He's on the bench. Why yeah. isn't he starting? It's a tactical reason. A tactical reason yeah. basically means, technical reason means that the Ten Hag thinks Maguire and Lindelof are a better option, a better partnership. Yeah, I don't know. And Maguire Evans, because Varane was also on the bench before the Evans injury. So the Maguire Evans, Maguire Lindelof is better than anything with Rafael Varane. So don't get me started, because obviously I can really not disagree more with right. that kind of statement. I don't understand it. I'm biased, obviously, completely. I mean, uh, I look, I'm I not sure he even was explained to him properly why He's not playing. Unless that you want him out of the club, which is fine. Just tell him. Tell him, listen, you are one of the highest earners in this club. You're going to be 31 in April. We want something different, so we want you out. And that's why you're not going to play until January. I don't know. Tell him, don't, don't give him the tactical line. Like, it, it sounds like... It, it's not... But not it's, all. It's, it's, bear in mind, I'm pretty sure he doesn't. It's not like he's a free... He's not a free agent at the end of the season, is he? No. So, it's actually... It's in your interest, United, to play him if you think he's a better option so that maybe you can get some money back for him because I don't know. you're not going to get a big fee because he's on, he's on really big wages. I find that really curious and, frankly, an underreported an under yeah, story understand of, it, so. of understanding what these other guys bring that's better. Now, Varane, I don't think, is particularly great on the ball, but then neither is Lindelof. No, I, mean, yeah. I, I think a six of one, one half dozen of another. The yeah, other, but in terms of experience, in terms of intelligence, football IQ, all of that, I think Varane is also probably quicker than both of those guys. He's, and he's better than them too. And I, I know he's that won he's won more had, Champions League titles and World Cups yeah, than those guys. He, I know he's got. A, he has injury, uh, injuries, and there's an injury worry. Okay, I get that. I'm not saying he should play every three days, all the time, 90 minutes, a high intensity football. But United don't play high intensity football anyway. 
And I'm sorry when I see them defending. And I know in the league it was okay, although at Everton on Sunday, they, they, they considered so many chances again. They were lucky not to consider at all. So I, I just... Yeah, I but just, that was against the might of Calvert-Lewin, remember? Yeah. You know. Um, one other issue on this, which I wanted to highlight just because it really bugs the crap out of me. But I think you've this mentioned him a little already in previous shows. No, but because this takes me back to when I was a paying customer, right? When I paid to go to games, which yeah. occasionally I still do. I absolutely hate... I think it's one of the lowest things you can do as a footballer on the pitch in your relationship with, with the fans is when a player scores and he shushes the crowd, right? Yeah. I mean, this is really, really low stuff, right? This is you in your gilded cage, so that's it. You knowing that the crowd, right? Yeah, Kylian did it. You were not happy that Kylian did it. Away at Brest, I think, when he scored that penalty. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Now, there's going to be some situations, and obviously somebody's racially abused or personally abused or whatever, then I can I can accept it, right? Yeah. But when you're just in there, the way... And look, I I'm, I don't think... I think... You, and I'm talking about Gadnacho here after the first yeah. goal. And... I'm sure United's teammates feel the same way because you immediately saw Bruno Fernandez yeah, going in. And Amrabat. And I hope they apologize to the Galatasaray fans. Yeah. And I hope these guys take him around the back and you say, you ever do this again, we're going Roy Keane on your backside. Because it really is completely, completely disrespectful because it is so easy. You know, you, you, you want to be a man, you want to shush somebody, you go do it on the street. You want to shush an opponent, fine. You're on the same level. But those are the people without whom you would not have a job yeah. of any kind because you probably don't have any education either. So have some respect for the people. The same way you should respect your own fans, yeah. first and foremost. Now, obviously, if you get abused, and, and this bugs I, I think this is very easy. I think IFAB missed a trick. I think it should be anybody makes a shushing sound or any kind of provocative gesture towards the fans, it should be, it should be a yell. The, 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 the referees have the power to do this depending on the extent of the gesture. But I think, you know, you, you lift your finger to your lips. You score, you go celebrate with your own fans. And obviously he did, so the shushing was away at Copenhagen when they went 2-0 up, they lost the game. On Wednesday night, he did the Kalma from Cristiano, who is his idol, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I don't have Kalma. a problem with the Kalma. Because that can be uh, your teammates and everything. Well, right? he did the Kalma and they're like, like, oh, hey, you know, quiet, quiet, which is what Bruno and Amrabat didn't like him doing. No, I think it was a finger to the lips. Yeah, yeah but he's right. time with the Kalma right. and then all of that. And then you again, again, don't win the So you do something to, I mean, it's beyond me. Yeah. On the other hand, on the positive, good, good, natural. Yeah, great goal. He's cross, performing, he's direct. He's great. When... Rashford obviously was suspended in midweek. Yeah. Is the idea now, I mean, would you just go Rashford no, and Garnacho on the wing? And, yeah, Rashford on and the Anthony right. And Anthony can go and uh, take on notes left. on the bench? Yeah, and Anthony can watch and learn from the bench. All right, one other thing uh, for me with Bruno, I was really struck by the fact that after the game when Ten Hag was talking about how great they were attacking-wise, um, but he mentioned the second goal as well, which is just Bruno shooting from yeah. 30 yards out. Yeah. Did he get confused? Was he thinking of something else? I don't know. I, th I think maybe he meant the third goal, which was a really good team goal yeah. by McTominay and the move. The only thing I would say about Bruno, which has been completely underreported, is the two ZH free kick are given away by Bruno Fernandes. Yeah. And both of them are completely unnecessary fouls. The first one, okay, Lucas Torreira is getting closer and closer to the... This is Lucas... Freaking Torreira, we're talking about. This is not Leo Messi, it's not Cristiano, it's not Haaland, it's not Kylian. It's Lucas. Lucas Torreira looked on his face, he didn't have a clue of what to do with that ball the closest he was getting to the United box. And, and Bruno goes behind, fouls him, then complains, saying it's not a foul when everybody can see it's a foul. And then he does it again on Ziyech when Ziyech is going away from goal by the touchline. You don't need to foul him there. And okay, it's a foul, it's a free kick that United should not have considered from, but they did in the end. So as good as Bruno was with the ball, with the assist and the goal, he also cost his team dearly by those two stupid fouls that he made. I think we also need to show some praise to Galatasaray yeah? in this, just because of the context of, of Turkish football. We often talk about, oh, look, there's a tough group, whatever. <clears throat> Galatasaray get drawn into a group with Bayern and Manchester United. Um, now, we know it's a group with a bunch of big names, older players who are there with, you know, who, who, who I think really have a lot of motivation and a big um, point to prove. 
Yeah. Although arguably, I thought the the star man was the um, was the fullback. Uh, Sacha Boy, the yeah. right back. Yeah, <laughs> my boy, Paris born and bred. Of, of course, course you know. he is. Of course yeah. he is. Um, and yet they maintained a level of calm because, and I'm dealing in stereotypes here, but you could imagine, you know, you go, you're playing a wounded United at home, and you go. 2-0 down and 3-1 down. Yeah. Imagine the crowd being like, all right, guys, you guys screwed it up again. You let us down again. It was there for the taking. And yet, they battled through. They could have won this game. They could have yeah. also lost this yeah, game, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, true. I think we need to give credit to, I think, uh, Okan Borok as well, for, for the, and, and just the whole club, but for, yeah, for the work that they've been doing there in, in keeping them together. This often gets overlooked. No, There's another team there that's also trying to win. Yeah, yeah, but they went behind against Copenhagen 2-0. They came back for a draw. They went behind Old Trafford against United. They came back to win. They went behind again on Wednesday night. They came back to draw. I think they've got great, really great character and togetherness. The difficulty sometimes when you sign those players like, you know, Zaha or Mertens, some of them towards the end of their career, is, is to, to create that unity within the team. Yeah. And, and very often you see that, not just in Turkish football, but in general. But I think they've done so well. And even against Bayern, they've been a bit unlucky. So they could even have more points than the five that they have so far. But that, that just leaves us, match day six would be amazing because of the United Bayern Munich game, Old Trafford and Kane being there and Tuchel being there. And also the Copenhagen Galatasaray, which is going to be massive. Yeah, it's a good one. I, I won't have time to talk about this, but if you're Bayern, I would assume you'd be very motivated so to knock no out. There's no way Tuchel is throwing not, that game away. No, but just to knock out United. Yeah. You don't want a situation where all of a sudden they pop up again you know, in the quarterfinals and you have to deal with exactly. United where everything clicks. Yeah, and by then, Radcliffe would have bought a couple of players in January. They're a much better team. You know, you don't know what can happen between now and March, April quarterfinals. Of course you want to knock them down. It's better for, if, if you're buying, it's better to have Copenhagen qualifying than yeah. Manchester United or Galatasaray. So, of course you go for it. You're not going to send the kids over there. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I'd agree with you and I think the same applies to the players who are going to be taking, who are going to be taking yeah. the pitch starting with, uh, with Harry Kane. All right, enough United. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gab. A late, late, late penalty converted by Kylian Mbappe after VAR intervention I gives Paris Saint-Germain a 1-1 draw at home to Newcastle. Jules, let's get right to the point. Yeah. Was it the correct call from the referee, Marciniak, who, who looked at it on the screen after he was yeah. called over by the VAR, Kwiatkowski? Yeah. No, I think we all agree that it wasn't a penalty, that the ball hit Livramento chest and then his arm. You know, uh, Mr. Rosselli, who is the chief of the UEFA referees. Or Rosetti, actually, to call him by his what, actual name. What did I say? Rosselli. Rose, sorry, I meant Rosetti. Had, I think, cleared this point very often in recent press conferences and speeches that you don't give a penalty for that anymore. And by the way, every incident, similar incident that we had on Wednesday night, none of them were given. So we had a lot, actually, which was... Like, like absolute incredible coincidence, but all the similar right. uh, body and then arm incident in the Wednesday games were not, none of them were given because clearly the instructions was repeated to the referee. So, no, it was the wrong call. I understand the frustration from Newcastle fans. This should not have been a penalty. I think the Gordon and Hakimi halfway through the second half was, was a foul and that was a penalty. Hakimi was, thought so too. That was not even looked at. And funnily enough, in France, all they talk about is the Gordon and Hakimi, not on the Livramento one. And in How England, <laughs> all they talk about is the Livramento one and not. And but... It's funny because Kwiatkowski, the um, who's a VAR, he was stood down for the game on Wednesday, which yeah. is pretty unusual because my instinct would be the onus has to be on the on referee, Mar Marciniak, yeah. ultimately, right? Because Kwiatkowski can flag and say, oh, no, because he... Marciniak does not give the penalty. He can't on see the pitch. It. from where he is. He cannot see at all. He does not see it. He That's signals sure. to the players, let's see yeah. what VAR says. VAR sends them to the screen. And I think that's the issue. And I think, you know, did you really express merit on the VAR process? We would need to do what they were telling each other. But I am disappointed that Marciniak yeah. gave the penalty. Because ultimately, it's more on him. On him. Too. Yeah, 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 definitely. And decision aside, Gabby, of course, did you think that the draw was a fair result? I mean, look, ultimately, 
you got to convert your chances and all the other stuff that we always say. But it seemed to me that this is a result that nobody found fair because Eddie Howe complained about the decision at the end. And yeah. uh, Paris Saint-Germain will feel, and I'm just looking at numbers here. These are from Statsbomb, 4.22 uh, expected goals versus right. 0.94. 31 shots on goal to five. Seven shots on target to two. I think there was an individual error very prominently in the Newcastle goal. Yeah, again, your friend Donnarumma. Um, so, yeah. Bradley Barcola, who drove me absolutely mad. And if you saw me on English television on Tuesday night commentating on this game and losing my shizzle completely, Bradley Barcola on his own, and he played 28 minutes, uh, 28 or 35 minutes, had a higher XG than the whole Newcastle team for the whole game. That's how many chances Barcola missed. <laughs> I, called him, I called him Bacalao. I, I don't even want to say his name anymore. Equally, the bad call went against Newcastle at the end. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. make it up what you will. Yeah, exactly. Manchester City stay perfect with a 3-2 comeback win against Leipzig. Jules, they're not just talented. They have bounce-back ability. They don't need to play well for 90 oh, minutes. They can they stick it out for 45. Completely asleep for the first 45 minutes. Made two massive mistakes. One Akanji, one Ruben Diaz. That Luis Openda, who's, we said it many times before, is a lovely, lovely player. Took advantage of, and then at two and a half time, nobody really was worried, let's be honest. Not in the Etihad, not us watching on television. I'm sure Pep wasn't worried because they just blitzed them in that second half. They could have scored more than three goals even. Uh, Haaland, of course, again with a lovely finish. And then Julian Alvarez and Jeremy Doku making yeah. a big difference right. when they came on, like they did in a reverse fixture in Germany. I'll say this though, I saw that second half, if I'm Leipzig, I am really, really angry yeah. at myself because you have to do better. Yeah, you your life, you have to I do agree better. With you. I agree with you. Milan, meanwhile, meanwhile, fall at home to Borussia Dortmund 3 1. And my boy Olivier Giroud misses a penalty and nil nil as well early on. Gabby, you were there. Was this a case of self-destruction from the Milanese or you want to praise Dortmund? I think you have to praise Dortmund because, you know, they took the breaks that came their way. They saw it out. They are top of the group, yeah. which I think very few people would have expected. This Definitely. is not a particularly good Dortmund team. Homos was heroic, I, yeah. I thought, uh, on the night. I, I finally understand the purpose of Fulkrug. I'm not 100% on board with them. <laughs> but equally, Milan... They, you've got the mitigating factor of the 10-plus injuries and yeah, no Rafael yeah, Leao, whatever. Nice. But you have a chance to take the lead at home with Olivier Giroud. you got to score. And I then they go and man. they take the game to the opposition. They have nobody on the bench. Um, you know, they, they, they sent on some kid for his yeah, debut. The 15-year-old who made his debut at the he weekend. Even be there. He, was he wasn't even allowed to be there because the rules say you have to be 16. <laughs> so I think it's too many mischances. I think it's crazy that they're, they're, they're likely to go out at this stage uh, when, in fact... You know, they thoroughly outplayed the opposition in probably in, in They can go and win away Newcastle on match day six and still And qualify. still go out. Yeah, <laughs> but also, also still qualify. So, no, you yeah, know. they can still qualify, but crazy. Yeah. All right, Jules, how about some more quick hits? Yes, let's go. It's that Bellingham guy again, Jules. He scores one goal, sets up another. Real Madrid rolls with 4-2 win over Napoli to stay a perfect 6-for-6 six six in the Champions League. I, I am lost your words. Are you? Well, I, I'm, I'll tell you what. I was not happy with. Oh, you're going to talk about how he lost Di Lorenzo on the Napoli goal. Of course. It was really funny because you, you, Billy Costa Corta, uh, he, I, after the game, I said, Sky Italia, he's talking to Ancelotti and he says like, what happened? It's like, you know, I, I, he almost perfect, but he made this mistake uh, on the Di Lorenzo yeah. goal. Yeah, but I'm not happy with the mistake at all. And listen, <laughs> he made up for it, redeemed himself. <laughs> he assists. For the Jose Lugol with the outside of his rifle is just at that time of the game. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's incredible. So it's amazing. But I think we are right to be demanding because he's right now the best player in the world, I think, with, if you want, Haaland and Mbappé. So I think we're right to be... This is, and, and knowing... I don't know him well at all, but... I think you could see the kind of personality that he is. Yeah. He won't be happy himself. Yeah, I, I, I could see him in you the dressing room going and being so angry with himself. No, 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 you're making fun of It's not that. I think he will not be happy by the fact that his job was to mark Di Lorenzo on that set piece, and he failed. And I think he's a perfectionist. So apart from that little mistake, which I had to point out, the rest was just incredible. I mean, the, the run and the ball from Alaba and the run on the header is marvelous again the assist for Jose Luan he could have been even better than that it's just it's, the guy is a freak were you uh, surprised by the fact that 
Napoli. I mean, they did have something to play for, but under Mazzotti, I was really, really surprised good. by how well they played. You know, Crosselia seemed up for it. Yeah, and, Ozyman didn't start. Let's not forget. Yeah. And you know, Giovanni Simone is a good little player, but he's not. He's, he's not Ozyman. And at two-two, they have a chance to go three-two up. Yeah. By the way, you know, so ah, there's there's positive as well for Napoli. Copenhagen grab a big point away at Bayern, who have already qualified. And create many chances along the way as well, Gab. Is it fair to judge Bayern just on this performance? First of all, much praise to Copenhagen. Now, there was a VAR decision at the end, which, you know, could have meant Bayern took all three points. Didn't yeah. happen. But also, Manuel Neuer made a stunning, oh, stunning late save. save. Just when you think Neuer's old, he's packing it in, yeah. whatever. Uh, no, not quite. So, so big, big shout out to uh, to Copenhagen. No, I don't think you judge Bayern. I know the whole German mentality. Yeah, we're always at our best, blah, blah, blah. But... Equally, I thought the players who were out there, who who we saw, Goretzka at center back, Matthijs Tal, whatever, these guys have a have a point to prove. Yeah. And so um, I thought they were up for it. And no, I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge Bayern as a team based on it. We know they've got issues. Their focus right now has to be on on the Bundesliga. Yeah. Barcelona have to come from behind to beat Porto two one. The Jaws both score, oh. and both teams are very close to advancing. Porto not quite yet. Jules. No. No, uh, there will be a big game for Portugal and Shakhtar coming up on March 6th. For Barcelona, in the context of average results, average performances, let's put it that way, including the one at Rayo, against Rayo Vallecano at the weekend away from home, this is huge. It's huge for Xavi, it's huge for the team. They didn't play particularly well through the whole game. The two goals are great goals, especially the Joao Cancelo one, although very predictable, but still great. They would have to play better. There's still a Lewandowski. I mean, what's, what's happening? Like, what is he doing? MIA. You know, what's he doing? So there's, there's more issues to solve, but at least you won, which is huge because had you not win, I think there, there would be a lot of criticism. Yeah, and I think it's also big for the two of them because both of them have been up and yeah, down of right. after the very, very bright start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's quite liberating as well. Yeah, and by is. the way, this team with Frankie de Jong, it's a different team. Yeah, of course. Arsenal destroy Lance 6-0. Gab, I feel bad for my friend Joseph Ugolion, the Lance owner, and for Lance in general, that's humiliation. So, please, you handle this. 5-0 at halftime, three goals in the space of six minutes. Uh, if we want to pretend... The worst that, ever defeat for a French club in Europe. If we want to pretend that Declan Rice isn't an attacking, isn't an attacking midfielder, then all the attackers scored in this game. And then the, the little, the little like good buddy friend at the end when they get a penalty and who the and Jorginho who came oh, on as a sub, they let Jorginho take it, knowing of all his penalty misses with Italy. Uh, I don't think Arteta could ask for more. I thought this was hugely impressive. A big shout out also Massive. to my boy Tomiyasu, who. Who has taken that place from Ben White? You know, I think he's the starting right back now. Well, it's funny because I hear a lot of you know ex-Roster pundits. Oh, 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 soon Whitey's fit again, fully fit, blah blah blah. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. Right. So, but the ball for Martinelli is a fluke, right? What uh, his goal? The Martinelli goal. The ball from Tomiyasu. He kicks the. He just kicks the ball away, and he ends up pinpoints on right. Martinelli's chest. So when Bellingham does saying, it, it's not no, no, a fluke. No. I love, I love Tomiyasu, but come on. Let's be honest. Atletico Madrid are also through thanks to a big away win against Feyenoord 3-1. Jules, two own goals and either a bit of genius <laughs> ah, or no. a fluke from Mario Please. Hermoso, de depending on your view. So going from one fluke, Tomiyasu, to another fluke, there's no way that's what Hermoso wants to do. And you know what the word Hermoso means, yeah, right? Yeah, beautiful. This is, what, this is what he does. No, it's not what he does. He's not that kind of player at all. He's not that technical. And the way... He hits the ball with his foot. You could clearly see that he wants to just put it back towards Morata in the center <laughs> in the box. Nothing like that. But hey, it's a great goal. I thought it was a really good performance from Antetico in a, in a difficult environment because that stadium and those fans are, are very intimidating. So, you know, well done. And, and they've qualified now as well. I feel for Feyenoord because yeah. I, I think they've, you know, if we're doing this on points, I know. I kind of deserve to go through as well. Definitely. Two late goals from Ciro Immobile, who started on the bench, give Lazio a 2-0 win over Celtic. Gab Mauricio Sarri is having a fizier time in Europe than in the league. Yeah, and you might also wonder, why doesn't Ciro Immobile, why doesn't he play? The guy comes on, comes off the bench, scores big goals. He hasn't. Ah, the second one especially. He's fit like, again. I know people don't, don't always like him for Italy, blah, blah, blah. But just look at his scoring record. I, I don't, is this Tati Castellanos business? No, I don't understand. No. Uh, 
That said, yeah, they're through. I think Saudis need to figure out why his team is like this. And by the way, shout out to Celtic. I, I saw they played really, really well. And you know, half they, they had a big yeah, penalty was... shout as well. Um, and I think Saudi was basically bailed out by Mobile. Wild stuff in Seville, Jules. Yeah. Sergio Ramos opens the scoring and then nearly gets himself sent off because he's Sergio Ramos. Pérez Vega, two goals down, and then Ricardo Pepe, of all people. Oh, Ricardo voices. freaking Pepe yep. scores the winner. Jules, we're going to see Peter Bosch in the knockouts. We are indeed. Gab, it's remarkable because they were 2 0 down and Sevilla under Diego Alonso, who's never won a game with that team apart from the Copa del Rey that you and I could have won anyway. <laughs> uh, 2-0 up it looks like they're cruising then Lucas Ocampos got, gets sent off a bit stupidly a bit harshly as well maybe maybe and then the game turns on his head and Vertisen who came on is the man really because he makes everything happen the first goal the second the Goodell on goal and then the cross for Pepe incredible really. that, that, that goal as well like. the Saibari one yeah, yeah, the Saibari goal of the one. night for me Vertisen cross and then if you haven't seen it the, the left foot volley inside of his foot and that's not on a the fluke turn. right he meant it that's good that he meant it on okay. the turn alright no, just, just wanted no, to no, be no, clear about what's a fluke what's a, no, no. Are, are we wrong about Peter Bosch or do you just hope no, no. because come on. PSV have won every single game they've, won, they've played yeah but they were shambles until oh, the Lucas right, Campos right, red card just checking so many comebacks Gabby John Mario scores a hat-trick for Benfica against Inter his former club who then come back to draw 3-3 yeah, this is pretty incredible because Simone Inzaghi decided it's like, aha, you know, rare luxury. We're through. I like to. I'm going to play all the scrubs. Disrespecting in this game. the league, disrespecting the competition. Well, Benfica have already disrespected it by not scoring <laughs> a single goal uh, until that point, and they get what they deserve. They go three 0 down, um, and then what happens? And then it's substitutions. On comes the cavalry. Yeah. They go back to three three. They could have actually won this game, yeah. Jules, which I think. Would have really been harsh. Yeah, Barella hit the post, didn't he? Yeah, Nicolo Barella uh, hitting the post at the end. Um, Simone Inzaghi's onto something, and I think that those people like to get the, the, that hour off that they got. Into our through, as we said, as our Real Sociedad yeah. were held to a nil-nil draw by Salzburg. Jules, our boy Bryce Mendes, had his moments, though. Oh, yeah, there's a lovely little move in the second half where he controlled <laughs> the ball with his soul and then like a little shimmy to go onto his left foot and then the shot, and it's a good save by Schlager. It's, it was not a really good game, I won't lie. It was one of my games on the on the goal show. Partly because there was a lot of rotation and changes from Imanol. There was no Kubo. Which is more than understandable. Yeah, it's not yeah, of a course, huge squad. Of course. And, and it will all go down to Inter against Real Sociedad, Asensiero and Match Day 6 to just decide who's going to top the group, which considering who, what teams are going to finish top of their group, it's important if you're Real Sociedad to try to finish top to avoid uh, the big, big boys, and same for Inter as well. So that should be a very exciting game, but not much more to say really about, about that game. But if we come back to the Inter game, Gabby, you want to celebrate Joe Mario and what he did, after, not just the hat-trick, but also what he did after the game. Yeah, so basically, Joe Mario became, has become kind of a symbol of... Or Inter have had so many failing eras, so many bad transfers, <laughs> bad transfers. over the years. I don't even think Joe Mario was that terrible transfer but he became kind of the symbol of of a certain era of futility uh, at inter um and then obviously he had his travails and he, he moved around but the reality is last season he was exceptional i think he scored more than 20 goals which for a midfielder which even an attacking midfielder is pretty special yeah and then he comes here and he scores three goals against his old club and the three nil up and I thought, I love that. I thought the storybook stuff, right? And I certainly, that game was going to stay with him forever if Inter had actually beaten Benfica. But remember, too, Inter knocked out Benfica in the, in the Champions League quarterfinals last yeah, year. There's yeah. a lot of bad blood there. Not bad blood, but, you know, if you're Benfica, yeah. like, you don't want to see previous, these guys again. Yeah. And then Inter come back to draw 3-3. And after the game, they bring him the ball, right? Because he's gotten the hat trick. And he just takes the ball and he just drops it on the ground and walks away. And I love that. Oh. Because he knows individual achievement in this game I would have kept matters nothing. Yeah, you, oh. you would have kept the goal. But, you know, Jean Mario clearly, clearly much more oh. team-oriented. Nenad Bielica made his Champions League debut as coach of Union Berlin. And guess what? They got a point away to Braga. Two games in a row without defeat. Amazing. At the weekend, they drew 1-1 in the 88th minute in the, in the Bundesliga. This time, they took the lead, Robin Gusens. And then Braga came back. Braga were lovely Braga team. Braga with 10 men, by the way. Under the rain. 
how did they how did they allow the equalizer? I mean, I you're one know. nil up. You're away from home. You're against ten men. The, the worst is that is the start of the second half. So you're supposed <laughs> to be in good shape, and yet it's all open. It's just uh, Thiago is just on on his own. It's a goal, but at least they didn't lose, and they you know they, it's. It, I'm not going. I was going to say they, they get. They are getting better. I'm not sure if they're really getting better. However, you've stopped that that incredible like losing streak that you jinxed them with. At least that has stopped now. And I know they're not winning yet, but at least they're not losing, which is a much better improvement than when they lost like yeah, you're really five in a the row bottom or something. Of the barrel there. You know, like thirteen in a row or like that before. So now you take that away in Portugal. Mikola Matvienko scores the only goal for Shakhtar Donetsk, who beat Antwerp one 0 in Hamburg. Gab, they can still qualify if they beat Porto. Yeah, look, it's a big ask and whatever else, but I, I just want to remind people because yeah, I, I know that the war in Ukraine kind of, it's been knocked off the front pages by a lot of things, and Shakhtar, the other Ukrainian teams, they continue to play football, and they continue to have to do it uh, in neutral venues. Yeah. They continue to have to do it basically living out of hotels, out of, you know, in in serious hardship yeah, yeah. with Massive. losing a lot of their players. Massive. Um, so this is really tremendous that it comes down to the last game, away to Porto. Anything can happen here. Yeah. Anything can happen here. And I, I just think this is a tremendous story. Now, it's just familiar and people are kind of bored with, oh, yeah, there's still a war. No, there is a war. People are still, people on, on both sides are, are, are still dying, soldiers and whatnot. And, and there's still tremendous hardship going on. And, and this is really uh, a really, really good story, I think. Mm. Young boys lead Red Star Belgrade 2-0, which means they'll get to enjoy some Europa League football in the new year. Jules, this group was always going to be very tough to get out of for both these teams. This really, is this really a quick hit? I kind of feel the need. Why? This is why I put it last out of the Champions League game. I felt the need. We got to mention everybody, right? We got to be nice. Okay. Awesome. We're well done to Rafael Vicky. We're well very done big and burn, by the if way. If we are big and burn, <laughs> good for us. Well done to Rafael Vicky then. You know, they... It was between him, really, between them and Red Do you know Star, in Bern, right? Do you know how screwed up they are in Bern? No. They, there's a statue. I've actually been, I have a picture of it in my phone. They have a statue of a guy who is eating children. Right. Like, he's putting, you can Google this. It's Don't on the internet. This. No, no, no. He, he's, like, he's like putting children into his mouth and oh eating them. Oh, my God. Them. It's, right. it's, it's pretty nasty. Anyway, Leipzig and City were always going to finish the, the top two positions. And Young Boys on the plastic pitch did just enough to get. Just about that third place, so well done to them. And now we can see them in the Europa League because you love them so much and their statues so much. So <laughs> here we go. Gab, you argued all year, all season so far that Manchester United could use another striker. Are you on board with the latest guy they've been linked with? That guy is? Yeah. Drum roll, it's Rebecca Vardy. No, it's Timo Werner. Um, oh my, imagine. Yeah, so I don't know. What the deal? Fabrizio Romano reporting on this as well, by the way. At first it was just a weirdo rumor, but then apparently they are talking to him. He has been offered. I guess he wants somebody quick. The thing about Timo Werner He's is, not playing much at Leipzig. Let's no, I think he's only started like two games. Yeah, he's been injured and then he's not in he's the team. He hasn't been injured that much. Like he, he has, you know, they're going understandably with Openda and Poulsen and the other strikers that they have, which... To me, suggests given that Timo Werner they signed him for a lot of money and he's still on a big salary, yeah. that they're they're ready to to move on and do business. I think you need another body, and I think if you'll come on loan, and this is what Ten Hag wants, then you might as well get him, right? You can't expect Hoyland to play the rest of the season, and Martial lives in the Martial dimension, yeah. as we know. <laughs> yeah, as we so, know. and plus he's out of contract. So, sure, is he going to fix everything? No, I I would almost prefer that. Instead of a little quick guy, because, you know, you could get Rashford to go play little quick guy. Yeah. Maybe you should go for somebody who's more of a Hoyland type so that your whole style of play doesn't change when Hoyland's not there. Yeah. But, you know, like about like Valvecourse, is he? Yeah, Valvecourse is still available. <laughs> Stop. This is way back on Monday night, but Girona were held at home by Athletic Bilbao, which means they're no longer top of La Liga. See, Jules, I told you the wheels would come off once they start playing well, sides that aren't in the bottom sure half the, of the table. Not sure the wheels have completely come off yet. Uh, but yeah, you're right. And that was, by the way, a much better game than the Premier League fixture at the same time. 
Uh, wolves? What, you, what, you got a problem with wolves now? Fulham Wolves, it was just a story of like... Fun, you make fun of young boys, not penalties. You make fun of Fulham no, Wolves. No, no, I'm just saying, this was good. Loads of chances, Girona, very attacking, Athletic Bilbao on the counter, the Williams brothers, Iñaki scored, the equaliser, Nico had some chances. I mean, it was. I thought it was really good. Uh, and yeah, you're right, I see what you mean about facing better team because Girona have had, I think, got the most points from a losing position before. But when they were in the lead, usually, they, they would stay in the lead. Right. And this time, they got pegged back by a really good Athletic Bilbao side. But it was, they could even have won it late, Girona. So I certainly don't think this is a... Um, this is like a dent in their season so far. This is just part of it. They, it's a road bump. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure it's a bump even because Athletic Bilbao are a really competitive team and they, they were very physical. I thought that was a really good game with a lot of positive for Girona still, despite not winning that game. Fifth Pro have released a survey of uh, players at the Women's World Cup. Gab, what stood out for you? So, it stood out for me because it kind of confirmed what I already knew. But um, one out of three players the World Cup earned less than $30,000 a year playing yeah. football, which in some countries goes a long way. In other countries, it doesn't go very far at all. One in five has a second job. And they have to have a second job because they can't Otherwise live they off their money, one job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we need to bear in mind the absolute, you know, just as there is massive wage inequality in, and earnings inequality among the, the players from different countries at the Men's World Cup, there's an even greater one, I think, at the Women's World Cup. And this goes back to, to what we talk about. We can go and we can pretend because it's some, from some players from rich countries at big clubs that are often bankrolled yeah. by the club that it may seem like, oh, look, there's no real difference between Beth Mead and Erling Holland or whatever, other than they play different positions and are different genders and are different clubs. <laughs> yeah. You get my point, right? Like, these are whatever story. All right, all right. Sam Kerr and Erling Holland. There you go. There you go, right? Two oh center forwards, both playing in, yeah. in England, right? Yeah. But there is a massive difference. And the reality for women's football, and I have to get the balance right, is a, what does the word professional mean? Uh, what should it mean? Where is this money going to come from? How are they going to fund themselves? And how can you best support this system? And I, I think these numbers should be eye-opening. And, you know, and I know people made a big deal. Oh, FIFA, equal play. Da, da. Yeah, okay, FIFA's legacy isn't very good. But FIFA can't go and pay women footballers. They, they can no. improve the payments at the World they Cup, whatever. But television pay yeah, for the, the rights. World Cup is every four years, right? Yeah. Although Women's World Cup maybe should be more frequent. But... You got to find other ways to support the system to make sure that these these athletes, and these are just the ones who were at the World Cup. Imagine the ones at the level just below that, you know, who are solid top division players in their own countries. Yeah. You know, so I, I think this is all fruit of thought. Yeah, definitely. IFAB have approved further trials for sin bins, Jules. Ten minutes off the pitch for players who commit something between a yellow and a red. I mean, I think we've. Discussed this slightly before. I don't even know where to start. I understand the, 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 the willingness or the desire to improve the game. I'm all for it. VAR, go line technology, do that. The orange card for a 10 minutes in bin doesn't belong to football. I'm sorry. You can try it. You might find it conclusive, not conclusive. I just don't think it goes with football. So what? So. I just think that the, the way that it works now with the yellow and the red is just enough. It's enough. So what, you're going to give a, an orange if the descent is, is too harsh, if there's too many F words or C word or something like that? So if there was less, it's a yellow. If there's too many, it's, a, it's an orange, but it's not worth a red. So what, what are you going to do? And for 10 minutes, the guy's going to sit on the touchline. This is not rugby. I heard Nigel Owens the other day on, on radio in the UK, the former rugby referee, talking about it and saying, oh, it would be good because maybe there would be more respect towards the referee. What, what difference is that going to make? The players are going to shout at the ref for an orange card like they do for a yellow for red anyway. Yeah, no, I, I think there's other ways to get to the respect level. My concern in that, voiced by other players, is... and. We've all done this if we've played football too. You know the drill where, like, you know, you get a back four and a goalkeeper yeah. and uh, somebody in front of them, and then the other team have all eleven players, and they have to try to score, and then they never, they can never score, um, or it takes them a long, long time. 
this is this is the risk of what happens, right? If a player gets this orange card in minute 60 of a game, if I'm the manager of the team that goes down to 10 men, and I know I'm going down to 10 men for 10 minutes, I'm not switching things up, going 4-4-1, whatever. No, no, no. I'm just shutting up shop for yeah. 10 minutes, maybe wasting as much time as exactly. possible. Exactly. It's going to be those dreadful 10 minutes. for the game. And that's what I don't understand about this. I think there are better ways to deal with it. Interesting to see where they want the trials. I mean, MLS has been suggested as a place to go and. Well, and why and, and MLS? Are they like like Kobe stuff? Or <laughs> I don't know. They treat it's them just, like um, they, they've suggested a league cup. They, they've come just the women's super league. Really, really bad I idea. Think it's to do such the a super bad league. idea. Um, have more trials at youth level and also share the results of those trials because I feel like right now we're getting is you know a bunch of rugby guys saying oh no, so what happens, happens if there's like three orange cards so like if you're down to eight because you've got three players with an orange card so in the sin bin you can't you can't play with eight so you can't why well, you stop the game but you can't stop the game because they are com- going to come back at some point I would like to see more courage to to apply the rules frankly because I know like between the yellow and the red like they mentioned you know remember Chiellini pulling back Bukayo Saka yeah yeah so those cyc- like, cynical fouls yeah you know what I got no problem if if it's a second yellow it's a second yellow yeah. and you're off I, I I don't care I know you know like the, the whole premise um with the tactical fouls I have no issue. Give it a yellow. Uh, and hey, you happen to go off, then you'll think twice about it next time. Just about, I think I'd like to see feel referees more empowered to ap- apply the laws as they are now. None of the spoil the game thing because you sent somebody off. If you approach the referee aggressively, if you say something you shouldn't say, boom, you're yeah. off. Simple as. I agree. Manuel Neuer and Sven Ulrich have both extended their contract at Bayern Munich until 2025. Gab, I guess Daniel Peretz will have to be patient or probably go on loan, most likely, no? Or maybe he'll just have to be. Can you imagine he goes on loan, or he gets hurt again skiing, and then it's. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe you have to go on loan. I don't know. I'm not. I don't know how happy I am. I don't see also why these two guys are joined at the hip. Like, what are they going to retire together? And like, you know. But you, maybe you need that. You know, to get the best out of Neuer, you need his mate to be his number two to train maybe with him. Like a new friend, and this is my mind going Daniel Peretz. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't get this. But good news, if Neuer plays like he did last night, you know, yeah, roll on 2025, 20, 26, 27. Exactly. It's the Under-17 World Cup final this weekend. Jules, Germany against France. Help us get excited for it. So I think it's been a really good tournament to start with. Senegal were great. Mali were great. Argentina, of course, were wonderful with their number 10 and captain Echeverry. How did Uzbekistan do? Uzbekistan beat England. (laughs) We're great. And before losing to France in the the quarterfinals, it's been really good, I think. And Germany qualified on penalty after drawing 3-3 with with Argentina, there's no extra time in the end of the 17 World Cup. You go straight from the 90th minute or you know to the penalties, the shootout. And France uh, beat Mali, came back into the game after being one nil down. So great, you've got amazing talent. If you can watch on Saturday, it's a lunchtime here in the UK, so you'll be very early in the US if you live in the US. A good time if you live in Australia, whatever. It's good. You've got a kid called Paris Brunner, for example, who plays for Dortmund in Germany, who's outstanding, a winger, lovely to watch. Uh, Please tell of, me Paris Brunner is Paris born and bred. He's not because he's German. Uh, but there's a man. But you've got loads of lovely, talented Paris born and bred players for France. Lombard up front is great. Gomis is Is he related great. to Bernard? Is Gomis not, related to Buffet? No, no, no. Why do they all have the Nothing same name? The guys Gomis came of Bernard Lombard. <laughs> oh, wait, is he related to Lise Gomis? The Neither. Either. But yeah, so loads of really talented players. So it's fair watching. Don't watch it with your eyes as if you were watching a men's game because they make mistakes. It's not as sleek. It's not as good tactically either. So if you watch it with your eyes of watching the 17 games, it's going to be very good. Yeah, but I always have fun going back on Wikipedia, like past we love U17s that. and seeing like who actually made it and who didn't. And there will be only one or two. Like yeah. I, I, we know that already. Usually, but but it's still good to watch. Andy Burnham is mayor of Manchester and also a big Everton fan. He gave an interview to Sky Sports ahead of the Everton v United game on Sunday to talk about the 10-point penalty. But it was not broadcast. He says he's deeply troubled and would like an explanation. What, what happened? So obviously he is, he's against the 10-point penalty. He's been critical of the Premier League. Yeah. I think the implication is that maybe, I don't know what he said in this interview, but it was you know so over the top that Sky decided maybe we don't want to upset the Premier League. Uh, Sky say that no, actually, Terry Venables passed away. They wanted to spend time honoring him. uh, And that's why it wasn't broadcast. 
I don't think there's anything sinister because if this was some rando on the street and this was his one shot at having his voice heard, fine. But he's the freaking mayor of the second biggest city in England, yeah. right? Andy yeah, Burnham. It's not, it's not like an unknown guy. <laughs> exactly. Like, if you have things to say, <laughs> you might not get to say it on Sky in the pregame. Maybe they'll use it later, whatever. But people will listen to you yeah. because you've got a big platform. Yeah, so PM no, questions. Do it on PM questions on Wednesday. Uh, Cincinnati's Lucho Costa is the Major League Soccer MVP. Woo! Good choice, Jules. Very good. I mean, I think he's been outstanding all through the he's season. He's so small. It doesn't matter. So 17 little. goals, 14 assists, I think he's had. Is it weird to you? I can't think. The goal of the season. Okay, Help me out here. I, I, maybe he's not as small as... I think he's five foot two, something like that. Yeah, no, he's still quite small. But this is like... I, I, it's, can you remember a player in his position that's that small? I mean, and I Why well, you can? Look I mean, Jovinko at, looks like a yeah, giant. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say Jovinko is the name I was going to say. Uh, but I don't think it's a problem. His ball control. No, no, no. It's exceptional, amazing. but it's technically, I'm wondering: is this the reason why he spent basically? Because obviously he's from Argentina. Yeah, he, Argentina. He was. Uh, yeah, he was in MLS for. He's been spending basically his entire career. Yeah, in MLS. he was a Boca. I think uh, academy graduate. But is he a guy who maybe got overlooked? By yeah, I think so. Or Cubs maybe that just because he's so small. Maybe the size. Maybe the fact that he also maybe matured a bit later. And clearly now playing at his best. I think he won goal of the season already, and they're still obviously uh, in for for the whole for the title. And I think they're playing their conference final this week at some point. So. This could be an amazing season for him in the sense that he can win absolutely everything. And I think he's led that team. I don't think he's played for Argentina. I don't think so either. No, I looked. Okay, so this is back in the day. Greg, if you're listening, you know in the US you still just like naturalize people. Oh my God, yes. He's been there for time. I don't know if he has citizenship or not. But you wonder about this, right? He's lived wow. there long enough. Definitely. I would go for him. 100%. Because that's what they need, another attack. Greg, <laughs> you know the Triple G? That's an idea. The Women's Super League, so the WSL in England and the Women's Championships, so the, the first and the second division of the women's game here, have merged, Gabby, to form a new company that will run the women's game in England. They were with the Federation before. So what does this mean now for the game? What, what is going to change? Well, they're going to have to stand on their own two legs, which I think is, um, which I think is quite interesting because you have a situation where, until now, effectively, they've been, they've been subsidized by the by the football association um now they're gonna have to make this work commercially they've expanded the base the the, the 12 teams in the super league have added the teams to the championship yeah. and now it's going to have to be sink or swim uh, effectively now they're you hope they're still going to get some being supported by the men's side of the clubs those clubs that don't make money which is most of them uh but they'll have this independence and you know i think in general it's probably good for the women's game to find its own path and, and run itself rather than kind of being run in parallel with the men's game. Norwich's South Korean striker Hwang Wee-jo won't be considered for the Asian Cup <laughs> I mean, pending a police inquiry over whether he illegally filmed an ex-girlfriend in a sex tape. Jules, does this make sense to you? I mean, I was completely unaware of this story, I won't lie. Uh, really? Yeah. Oh, I guess we're on different uh, websites. Yeah, clearly. Different website, different interests maybe, Gabby, as well. Uh, this is your question to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think he may, if he did something wrong and illegal, of course... It's, it's a police inquiry. Yeah, yeah I, think, I mean, I want him to go to jail if he did something Although, of course, we can think wrong. of people who are under police inquiry who were still being selected and are still playing for their clubs. In fact, played last night, and he's going to keep playing for Norwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess I, so. But, I, I, yeah, I appreciate it. He, he denies this, by the way. I don't yeah, know if he yeah. says it's, it was consensual. Let's see what the South Korean Somebody afraid. else. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Busha Dortmund, Carsten Kramer. Yeah, you've never heard of him, of course. It's normal. He's the managing director of Borussia Dortmund. Again, one of Gabby's questions. He has, he, he has Vasquez's he says, Vasquez mobile number. Yeah, exactly. He has. And he says that his club, so Busha Dortmund, won't accept sponsorship or commercial deals from certain countries. He says that we pay attention to where our money comes from. Uh, so basically, he excludes, I exclude Saudi Arabia and Qatar under the current political circumstances, he said. Look, I think whichever way you think about it, I think it's really yeah. important for a football club to have an identity. Yeah. So they're going to be the identity where we're not just about money. We have the highest average attendance in Europe, or, or, or one of them. We mean something. We're not just driven by the big clubs. I think maybe it's also an indirect dig at Bayern, who, of course, have a big commercial relationship with Qatar. It's an even more obvious dig at 
Newcastle and Paris Saint-Germain yeah. and all these other guys. Who are in their group, of course, that's why. Who happen to be in their group as well. Right? I'd forgotten that. Yeah. That, that, that little detail. <laughs> I think it's fine. You're do, you, you have to follow that's through right. with it because otherwise you're being hypocritical. Yeah. But if you want to take, if you want to take a stand at your club, hey, you know, this, this is also a, a marketing way and uh, as well. Maybe the Saudi and Qatar are not interested in sponsoring Borussia Dortmund anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, after the fact, you might. Say I mean, one is you know Qatar sponsoring Bayern, for example, already in Germany. How many teams do you want? So it may be easier if you don't receive any offers from them anyway to say that. To say no, this is true. This is true. But um, I wonder if we'd be open to Saudi and Qatar sponsoring the Gavin Jewel show. I don't know. <laughs> That's a question above That's, a pay grade. That is a. <laughs> Dr. Peter Rollmann, who I was unfamiliar with, but I googled, and he's actually uh, legit. It's not like all those class. stupid surveys that come out. All those emails surveys. that you receive. No, this is yes, not no, one this guy. Looking. This guy's legit. Okay. He somehow got his information on data. He has a list of the biggest selling club jer jerseys worldwide. Surprised me a little bit, but Liverpool are first. I knew they'd be high up. I just didn't expect them to be first. Yeah. Followed by Manchester United and Real Madrid. Barcelona fourth. Uh, Bayern fifth. Um... Anything surprise you in here? No, not really. I mean, Number I mean, six yeah. doesn't surprise you? Number six, Manchester City? I mean, I think their fan base is growing all around the world. They do enough work traveling with all the trophies that they win with Nader Manua in their luggage everywhere <laughs> to showcase the, the success. I don't know, yeah, maybe City in six, maybe PSG in seven, maybe that's a bit high. PSG, we've mentioned before, the, the, the great you know, collaboration with Jordan and Nike in the sense that it becomes a, a lifestyle brand more even than a football one and a sporting brand. Which I guess maybe the difference of Liverpool in first and PSG in seven is 700,000, which is a lot of share. Well, for Liverpool to sell 1.8 and PSG 1.1. I'm not saying that PSG should sell more right. or Liverpool less, but between one and seven, that's still a Liverpool lot. Liverpool to Arsenal. Liverpool twice as high yeah, as true, Arsenal. Yeah, true, true, true as that. Uh, and as you said to me, I didn't know who Dr. I, Peter was, but you said he's... he's he, I, I am told he's very legit. So he's those numbers guy. are good, right? There's no numbers that's, that... That's the, that's the indication I've been given. The other thing which surprised me more about Liverpool, but this also kind of shows you how fans around the world experience the game differently. If you go to Anfield, you're not going to see, other than maybe some kids, you're not going to see many people wearing shirts. It's not really part of of the culture in the in the cop and whatever. I mean, some people do, obviously, right? But it's not one of those... So most of the sales are abroad, is that what you mean? Or maybe to people who don't go to games. Maybe people yeah, who sit maybe, in their living room yeah. and whatever. Yeah. It's just a different cultural thing. At other clubs, like at United, you do see a lot of shirts. At Arsenal, you do see a lot of shirts, right? Yeah. So it was. Um, so I just, I, I, this is what kind of what surprised me about Liverpool being being number one. Yeah, and it shows. I think we need to remind people that clubs don't actually earn much money on shirt sales. This is this is like uh, something that gets thrown away a lot, thrown thrown out there a lot, especially when there's a big signing. They say, "Oh, it's okay. This will be paid back by all the shirts that the guys gonna sell." Yeah, no, that, 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 that doesn't happen. No. They don't earn much money at all on those shirt sales. What it shows, though, is the power of the fan base, of course, and, and how many, you know, certainly the, how much involved the fan base and committed the fan base are. Four of the top five, by the way, um, have red shirts. Just, just pointing it out, <laughs> the outlier being Real Madrid. Okay, thank you for that. Alison, we likely miss the next five games. Also, Jogo Jota as well, by the way, for Liverpool. Bad news through injuries. Starting with tonight's Super League clash. But Gab, Jürgen Klopp says that he's standing goalkeeper, so he's number two. Um... Kevin Keller. Kevin, I think it's Kevin. Even I think it's Kevin. Kevin Keller is the best backup keeper in the world. Okay, I well, first of all, I don't know enough about backup goalkeepers because they don't start right. They start very rarely, and I'm sure Jurgen Klopp doesn't spend his time listing backup goalkeepers. But he's saying exactly the right thing because if I'm Keller, this is exactly what I want to hear. Yeah, that I have the complete faith, and by saying like the best backup keeper in the world. I also don't upset Allison or, or unsettle Allison. Allison, True. hey Allison, you're number one, and this guy is the best out of all the reserve keepers in the all world. All the number two is Raya or uh, well, Ryan Ramsdale, of course, are Ryan both Ramsdale, starters. There is Ortega no and Allison, you know, all of them. Um, so I I really like I really like the psychology of Klopp saying this. Yeah, is he the best number two? This is such a futile thing. I'm sure there's some sados out there that have gone and <laughs> that have gone and ranked this. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I, I I just like the little Klopp psychology there. Cristiano Ronaldo made headlines when Al Nasser faced Persepolis oh. in the Asian Champions League group stage. Jules, what did he do? 
Well, basically, uh, there was an incident in the box and the referee gave a foul and then Cristiano got up and said, no, 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 ref, it's not a foul, it's not a foul. It so was the, a foul on Cristiano, on Cristiano, we should say, yeah. So what I find remarkable is that it was clearly a dive from Cristiano, right? But nobody says he dived. Oh, nobody it. said he dived. They just, they don't explain the incident. They just said that he got up and said, no, no, ref, it's not a pen. Ref couldn't obviously just on of the world of Cristiano cancel the pen so he still had to go and check it and then he came back after having checked VAR on the screen to say yeah yeah it was not a pen but it was a dive I mean it's good from Cristiano to say I think he was taking dive. evasive action and you can call it a dive if you like <laughs> I, I, I will say this we should also context right yeah people are like oh my god it was only nil nil at the time and I mean he yeah finished nil, by the way Al Nasser had already have already qualified they already, already topping the group yeah. so this is a time to be charitable this was the time to do it but i thought it was a nice gesture yeah, yeah it's nice it's nice but he dived in the first place anyway sorry sorry cristiano don't uh cristiano and your fans don't come at me and more cristiano guy because there's never enough of cristiano why is he being sued for more than a billion dollars and is it by you it's not me uh of course so why is he being sued he's being sued because it's florida because there's lawyers okay. out there who you know will will trick people so oh, we know we how you feel about lawyers because he probably has a billion dollars because there's sados out there who want to generate publicity around his name so basically what happened was here as you know he was involved in this commercial partner, still is involved. In fact, he released a video just the other day with this company called Binance, which is a crypto exchange. Without getting too much into it, Binance as a company are in a lot of trouble right now. Um, right. Or in fact, we're in a lot of trouble. They, they're going to pay something like $4 billion uh, in compensation. Oh, their, wow. their, their founder, Cheng Ben Zhao, pleaded guilty and reached a, a settlement where he's going to pay $50 million in, in fines. Essentially, it was a question about whether they're unregulated securities or they can operate in the United States. Well, whatever, complicated, yada, yada, yada. But the point here, as part of it, do you remember maybe a couple of years ago when everybody was doing NFTs, yes. non-fungible tokens? But we, we refused all the uh, approaches that we got. Uh, yeah, maybe we had many offers. People want to gap into NFTs. But anyway, <laughs> um, Cristiano released a bunch of NFTs in collaboration with Binance. And now these people... I think on the back of the settlement are saying, well, wait a minute. The my NF, my Cristiano NFTs have gone down in value. Weirdly enough, they did not 10x after yeah. I paid for this stupid nonsense. Um, so surely, Cristiano, it's your fault. So because he has a billion dollars, slightly, somewhat more than that, they're going after him. This is pure publicity seeking. Yeah. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that Cristiano's name is being dragged into it. I was going to not mention this at all, but to be fair to him, I think Cristiano needs people to make it very clear. Like He did nothing he, wrong. Yeah. He's, he's done absolutely not. nothing wrong here. Um, but yeah, uh, weirdos and saddos. And I wish we knew their names so we could talk about them and make fun <laughs> of them the way we sometimes make fun of Cristiano. But hey, uh, in this occasion, Cristiano, you're totally cool. Jules, that brings us to an end. But That's we got to come back on Monday. Oh, yes. So much going on, including the Euro draw. It feels weird to have a Euro draw now. Euro so much so in December. Yeah. I know, it's on a Saturday too. Anyway, uh, until then... Love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself.